We are going to be reading chapter 14 and 15 in their entirety. Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days the land had rest for ten years, and Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars and the high places, and broke down the pillars, and cut down the ashram, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. He also took out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the incense altars, and the kingdom had rest under him. He built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, for the Lord gave him peace. And he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land, still, the land is still ours, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us peace on every side. So they built and prospered, and Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, armed with large shields and spears, and 280,000 men from Benjamin that carried shields and drew bows. All of these were mighty men of valor. Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and came as far as Merishah. And as and Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up their lines of battle in the valley of Zephathah and Merishah, at Merishah. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar, and the Ethiopians fell until none remained alive, for they were broken before the Lord and his army. The men of Judah carried away very much spoil, and they attacked all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord was upon them. They plundered all the cities, and for there was much plunder in them, and they struck down the tents of those who had livestock and carried away sheep in abundance and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without, and without law. But when, their distress, in their, but when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. In those times there was no, no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. Distress, But you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, he, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the lands of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the 
the house of the Lord, and the, he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who were residing with them. For great numbers had deserted to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. They were gathered at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. They sacrificed to the Lord on that day from the spoil that they had brought 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. But that whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman. They swore an oath to the Lord with with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath. For they had sworn all their heart and, and had sought with him and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Even Makkah, his mother, King Asa, removed from being a queen mother because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook Kidron. But the high places were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days, and he brought into the house of God the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels, and there was no more war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. Good morning. I'm going to ask if you would to join me in a word of prayer as we study God's word together this morning. Father, you are God, and we are not. You're the potter, and we're the clay. You are the creator, and we are your creation. You are immortal, and we are mortal, and daily feel the effects of our mortality each day. Father, since you are God over all, I pray that we would take our cue for living from your word and your good spirit abiding in us. As you speak and bring to light your will for us here, may we drink your words in and walk accordingly that we might please you and steward well the life that you've given to us. Father, we ask that you would continue to teach us this day from your word, from the life of Asa, king of Judah. Father, I pray that you would stir within each one here a reliance upon you in these days ahead. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Courage for the Christian In the biblical worldview, is courage that is established upon the honor and the power and the perfections of God. It's not about us. It's about the one who made us, the one who redeemed us, the one who has overcome the world. Our framework for understanding courage is the knowledge that Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Courage for the Christian is rooted in faith, the assurance of things hoped for. Those words from Al Mohler some 10 years ago now 
as he preached a message at the Basics Conference, speaking on courage. Courage for the Christian is rooted in faith. And you know, as I was thinking about those words, I was thinking about people in the Scripture, David, for instance, and thinking about David and running to meet this giant of a man named Goliath because he understands that his God is in control of the battle. The battle is whose? David said, the Lord's. This is the Lord's battle. Or, or Peter, even with what we know as this little faith credited to his name in the gospel record, he steps out of the boat because of who it is that called him onward. Esther. She decides to enter the chambers of the king, even though it may cost her her life. But she does so trusting that for such a time as this, the Lord had placed her as queen. Abraham takes his only son up Mount Moriah, places him upon that altar out of obedience to the Lord. And even though he loves his only son, Isaac, he proceeds to sacrifice him, knowing that, according to the Hebrew writer, if he dies, the Lord has the power to raise him up. Joshua acts on God's word by instructing the Israelites to march around the walls of Jericho on that seventh day. How many times? Seven. Seven times. And then let out a big shout. Well, Joshua acts on that. He does the very thing the Lord calls him to, even though the plan sounded ridiculous from a military standpoint. But he does what he does because he trusts the one who gives him the plan. Jesus willingly took up a cross. He bore our sins in his flesh. He did it out of love, the Bible says, but he did it knowing the Father had chosen him to be the perfect sacrifice for man's sin. No one else could impute righteousness to our account. Jesus faithfully acted out of the will of the Father. He always did what the Father wanted him to be doing. You see, courage is this virtue that oftentimes is relegated to the cowboy who wears the white hat. Or the sheriff who stares danger straight in the face. It's oftentimes associated with acts of bravery. The firefighter who enters the blaze to rescue someone left behind. The soldier who goes back for a wounded comrade. The police officer who's chasing the bank robber, making sure they don't get away. These are icons of courage that we are somewhat familiar with today. But what if courage is not differentiated simply by one who is willing to face danger and others who'd rather not face danger. Is one deemed more courageous because he's willing to sacrifice his own life for the life of another? Is courage rooted in a title? Is it rooted in a position? If not, where does it originate? What is it that enables one to step forth in courage? 
In each one of the biblical examples I mentioned earlier, there are two common denominators at play. They're just as true then as, as they are today. Common denominator number one, courage is predicated upon and flows out of hearing from God. I'll say that again. Courage is predicated upon, courage flows out of hearing from God. David heard from God and saw Goliath not as this giant of a man, but as an uncircumcised Philistine who was profaning the name of his God. Someone needed to tell this guy who was in charge. So David does. David lets him know. Abraham heard from God to take his only son up that mountain. So courage is predicated upon, flows out of hearing from God. The second common denominator all of these folks had is that courage takes action. Notice about all of these folks I just mentioned. David ran to face the giant. Peter climbed out of that boat. Esther resolutely approached the king in his chambers. Abraham walked up that mountain. Joshua and the Israelites, they marched around Jericho's walls. Jesus carried his cross up Calvary. You see, courage takes action. A, a police badge doesn't make one courageous. Accessories and trinkets don't make anyone courageous. Biblically speaking, courage, listen here, this is very important. Biblically speaking, courage is rooted in action, which is informed by hearing God's voice. Okay? Courage is rooted in action, which is informed by hearing God's voice. Can you think of a time when you took action as a result of hearing God's voice? Can you think of a time, perhaps, when you pressed forward into action and then you asked the Lord to bless it? Can you think of a time you failed to take action, never even considering, never even crossing the radar to ask the Lord for direction? Courageous men and women line the pages of Scripture. People who actually heard God speak. Think about that for just a moment. They heard God speak. And they trusted that what he had to say was sufficient for them and cause to act. I was thinking about Moses, probably because I've been reading in Exodus of late. Do you think that Moses relished the greeting that his own people gave him the day that he returned from that initial meeting with Pharaoh? If you remember the text, you remember that as he comes back and he sees his people, his people are just furious with him. Because now their labor, their, their workload is greater. And they're looking at Moses as the one responsible for that. 
when God spoke to Moses about confronting Pharaoh. Do you think Moses caught on to how angry Pharaoh was? Do you think Moses looked forward to approaching Pharaoh in his angry state? Do you like to approach somebody when you know they're angry? No. I don't know that there's too many of us that do. Moses acted out of what God said. He trusted that God was going to do what he said. Courage is obedience. It's just obedience and faith melding together. On one hand, it's hearing from God to know what's, what needs to happen. And on the other hand, it's acting on behalf of God in light of what he's called you to do. Is it dangerous to walk this way? Could be. Could be. The converse is what we see today. We like safe. We like the familiar. We like our comfort zones, don't we? What if the Lord has called you to something dangerous? Would you go? Or would you immediately push it aside because it's not safe? Is it worth to live this way, courageously? Always, yeah, it always is. The converse is what we see today. Many people spending their days for self. The story is told of a man who stood before the Lord at the time of judgment and his works were being judged. His works were being judged. And he saw all of his earthly works and they were compiled in this great big room. Let's just say it was this big. This big gigantic room. All of his works were compiled in this room. And at the time of judgment... The fire, that fire, the Bible says, tests men's work, right? The the fire comes scorching through the room. And this man smells fire and he hears the sound of this fire sweeping all across this big, gigantic room. And he covers his eyes, not wanting to look at the dreadful sight of the fire in his midst. And when at last he opens his eyes, he notices that the room is empty, Empty, that is, except for this big ash heap over in the corner. Tears streamed down the man's cheeks as he realized that that ash heap represented the compilation of his works. The ash heap is a a picture of what fire does to treasures that one stores up here on earth. The ash heap is a vivid reminder even to me as I was reading that story of how the Lord has called me, he's called you to live courageously, trusting in him, walking with him, operating by faith when he speaks. You see, what God speaks and calls you to calls you to decisive action when he calls you to this it's always worth it to act obedience and faithfulness are kingdom values to be rewarded kingdom values that will stand the test of the fires to come isn't that good to know 
we left Asa in a favorable position last week. Amen? He was in a pretty good place last week at the end of the chapter. What seemed an insurmountable trial turned into yet another glorious picture of God's wonderful works among the children of men. God showed up on the battlefield and Asa rested upon his God to change the pending disaster. Asa and the mighty men of valor in Judah and Benjamin, they, according to the text, they routed the Ethiopians and the surrounding cities of Gerar, plundering goods and cattle and livestock along the way. And the Lord showered his favor down upon Asa and the nation of Judah. And it's right here, right here in the midst of success, right here in the midst of victory, right here in the midst of this mountaintop experience with God. It's right here that we need to just pause for a moment. And we need to reflect on next steps. Victory and plunder, favorable times with the Lord. It's right here, church, where we have a tendency to walk alone. It's right here where we might be inclined to just tip our hat to the Lord and say, thanks, but I'll take it from here. Victory. Success. Mountaintop experiences. You see, on the other side of victory, which is where we are in chapter 15, as we open the curtain on 15. We're on the other side of victory. On the other side of victory, will you continue to walk by faith, trusting in the Lord? Oh, it's a great question. Not only a question Asa had to ask himself, I'm sure, but it's a question that each one of us need to ask as well because each one of us have these highs in our life, don't we? We have these wonderful experiences in our lives with the Lord. Some of you might have gone to a conference. You might have gone to a retreat. You might have gone to a camp. And it was an exciting mountaintop experience with the Lord. And then you come back home. And the question you have right in front of you, am I going to walk by faith? Am I going to keep walking with the Lord even though the retreat is over. Courageous leadership is not branded upon the person who trusts in the Lord, but for a moment. Courageous leadership is hearing from the Lord day by day, all the way to the end. And faithfully acting upon what he says. You see, Asa to this point has demonstrated courageous leadership among the nation of Judah. Will he continue to exhibit such leadership all the way to the end? That's the question. And we're going to get the answer to the question next week. But for now, he is exhibiting this courageous leadership. As we'll see in the text, he is... Still fairly early in his reign, we're talking 15 years into his reign, a reign that lasted 41 years. And we're not even at the halfway point of his reign. 
The Lord is gracious to Asa during this time of victory in chapter 14. He sends one of his prophets, Azariah, Azariah, son of Oded, to speak some significant words at a very pivotal moment in Asa's life. The text says that the Spirit of God is upon Azariah as he comes and delivers the following words in verse 2. Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. Now this message is for Asa. It's for all of Judah and Benjamin, though. But he's speaking to Asa, and he's going to come back and end his words in verse 7 by coming back to Asa in particular. Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. What a great principle to file away from memory. Amen? The Lord is with you while you are with him. You see, that principle is as true in Asa's day as it is for you today. In fact, the principle here in Chronicles is foundational to the command that's submitted in James 4, 8, which says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, James calls the people to draw near. The promise is that in drawing near to him, he will draw near to you. The Chronicles writer, though, right here, through Azariah the prophet, states the principle. The Lord is with you while you're with him. And then he follows that principle with a conditional statement linked with a promise. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, I want you to notice the words of that conditional statement, if you seek him. The promise on the other side of the condition is that he will be found by you. That's the promise. But herein might explain the state of the soul for many today. If God seems distant, if he seems far away in your life, if he is seldom found in your daily living, could it be that you have failed to seek him? If God is not evident in an ongoing way in your life, that is not God's problem. The promise in the word is that he is with you while you are with him. As you abide, New Testament terminology here, as you abide in the vine, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do what? Nothing. To try and live the Christian life apart from seeking him is to live the Christian life on your own. Essentially, you are forfeiting his presence near you, his presence among you. You are foregoing the fellowship, the communion with God through Jesus Christ. Notice I said fellowship and communion, his presence near you. If you are in Christ... You have this union that the Bible speaks of. That can never be taken away from you. But your fellowship, your communion, forfeiting his presence, all that he wants to provide, and offer, his, as Ephesians 1 provides all of these, 
the vast treasure store of riches that he gives to you, available to you? Are you seeking him today? As you look back on your year, 2014, was it a year that you sought the Lord with all your heart? Proverbs chapter 2, if you turn there for just a moment. In Proverbs chapter 2, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, if you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. You know, those first few verses in Proverbs chapter 2, action-oriented words, this whole idea of leaning in, inclining your ear, applying your heart, crying out, seeking, searching. Are you seeking the Lord in this manner? Asa in chapter 14 He sought the Lord before he entered into battle with Zerah the Ethiopian. The testimony of the word is that Asa and the nation of Judah was found by the Lord as a result of Asa's seeking the Lord, resting upon the Lord, crying out to the Lord for help. And the Lord's presence with Asa was present. It was there. We see it in the testimony of chapter 14. And it made all the difference in the outcome, did it not? The Lord's presence. You see, we live in an outcome-based society in many ways, don't we? Always looking to fix the outcomes. Whether politics, whether business, whether education, even seen in the church. Looking at the outcomes. How can you fix these outcomes that you want to change? The tendency is to put a patch on the foundational core issue instead of dealing with the root cause. I mean, we think about some of the questions surrounding us today. Why is the federal, there are why questions. Why is the federal government the way that it is? Why is the educational system the way that it is? Why are there so many overcrowded prisons today? Why so many broken homes, so many orphaned children? Why? Why? Church, who's seeking the Lord today? Courageous leadership has gone by the wayside in large measure. It's no longer important, it seems, to hear from God before taking action. As long as you have a good idea on how to get the company out of the red, then two thumbs up, let's move forward. Seeking the Lord is not confined to the four walls of the church gathering on a Sunday morning. Seeking the Lord... It's for Asa, it's for Judah, it's for Benjamin, it's for you, it's for me, it's for dad, it's for mom. It's for young boys, it's for young ladies. It's for aunts and uncles, it's for our current president in his cabinet. It's for the CEO of your company. No one is exempt here. If you seek the Lord, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, 
he will forsake you. We don't like the last part of that verse. But it's as much true as the first part of the verse. There's another phrase in the scriptures that says, seek the Lord while he may be found. You see, life is too short to keep forsaking the Lord. A life that is described as a mist ought to be seeking him early and often. Seek him while he may be found. Seek the Lord first. Are you going to be willing to trust him for the outcome? Are you willing to trust God for the outcome of this situation, whatever it may be? Can you trust him? Is God trustworthy? Ask yourself that question. Is God trustworthy enough that I can just place the outcome of this situation in his hands? Because, see, our tendency is to act and try and manipulate and scheme and and move and wiggle around and try to manipulate that outcome. And we try to work and do our best to initially go at the outcome instead of seeking the Lord first. Some good things here, church. Azariah, as he's speaking in verses 3 through 6, he gives examples of Israel and he speaks of trouble and he speaks of their response to trouble. He's just mentioned these principles here, uh, these words in verse 2. 3, 4, 5, and 6 are going to now shine light and give illustration upon what he's just spoken. And he's talking about Israel. When they sought the Lord, he was found. Imagine that. Sought the Lord, they found him. When they didn't seek him, chaos reigned. Nation destroys nation. City goes against city. Why? The text says God troubled them with every adversity. Translation, he forsook them. That's what verse 2 says. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. Before he concludes, Azariah then turns and has a personal charge for Asa in verse 7. But you, be strong and do... That's that's almost the uh, words to Joshua. Remember those words? Be strong and courageous. That's what I was thinking of as I was reading this. Azariah, be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Asa, courageous leadership is needed in the days ahead. The nation of Judah needs a leader who is going to be strong in the Lord. And Asa, as you seek the Lord, know that your faithful obedience to the Lord and his word, it will be rewarded. That's the word from Azariah to Asa. And with that word from the Lord through the prophet, Asa's direction, look at this, his direction is set. Courageous leadership is demonstrated not through a formal creed or some heavy-handed approach demanding, thus says the king. What remains in this chapter is a gold mine, I believe, of courageous leadership principles. Let me just share a few in the time that we have left. Number one, 
Courageous leadership originates from God's word. We've already said this, but we're going to put it forward because it's right here in the text. I didn't make this up. It's right here from the word. Courageous leadership originates from God's word. Verse 8 says, When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage. There it is. He took courage. He took courage when he heard the word of the Lord. There's our biblical definition from earlier. Courage is rooted in action which is informed by hearing God's voice. Asa hears God's words through the prophet and is ready for action. The starting point for courageous leadership is hearing what his word has to say. Principle number two, courageous leadership acts in response to God's word. Verses 8 and 9 in the text says he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin. He restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vegetable of the Lord. Then he gathered all of Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with him from Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon. Listen, after hearing from God, Asa acts. What's he do? He removed those abominable idols. Idols that his father, his own father, set up some of those idols, according to the king's passage. His own father set up some of those idols, and he's removing some of the abominable idols. He restored. He restored what? He restored the altar of the Lord the way it was supposed to be. He then gathered the whole nation together. Courageous leadership acts in response to God's word. Number three, courageous leadership draws attention to God. Verse 9. I want you to notice the crowd that Asa gathers together. He gathered all of Judah, Benjamin, those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, for they came over to him in great numbers from Israel. When they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Now the point here is not the great numbers that came from Israel but the occasion for their coming over to him. They saw that the Lord his God was with him. They witnessed God at work among Asa. They saw the Lord working in his life. The life of God was being manifested from the king of the land. As I was thinking about this verse, there were two things that jumped off the page in light of the context of where we are and as a church. The first one's more from a leadership perspective, but as a leader, you know, it's always, it's always tempting whether you're, we're leading in a church or leading in a company, whatever, leadership position. It's always tempting to run after a large crowd to look for the multitudes of the people. The people from Israel came to Judah not because of a new program, not because of some doctrinal difference, but because they saw God working in his life. His life cast a light upon his God and the people saw it. That's a humbling passage. Church, many of you recognize that that this body has not been growing. In fact, of late, it's been shrinking. Been a while since folks have decided to call Hope in Christ their church home. The text has caused me to reflect upon my own leadership, to ask whether it's been truly as it 
when looking here in the text, courageous. The text has drawn me to the Lord for answers as I, as I ask. Questions are, I believe, very appropriate in light of what's going on, the situation. Is it me, Lord? As a leader, we have asked those questions sometimes. Is it me? Am I getting in the way, Lord? Perhaps some leaders wouldn't want to ask that question for fear of the answer to the question. I'm asking the question. Lord, am I the one making it difficult for others to see the Lord? You see, the umbrella in the text that that oversees the life of an elder is labeled blameless, or another translation, above reproach. And church, it's, it's my desire that others see the Lord working in me. I see verse 9, and I, I'm reading that, and like these people came over because they saw something in Asa. They saw that God was working in Asa. They didn't come over and join Asa because he had these fabulous children's programs. He didn't come over and join Asa because they had all these kinds of things to keep your teenagers happy. They came over to Asa and to be a part of the group of Judah and Benjamin because they saw God at work in their leader. That's what I see in the text. It's caused me to ask some questions. In an effort to make the Lord clear to those who would enter here, I just ask that you be honest with me. My desire is to be honest with you. You know, there's some hard things that have happened, and many of you are privy to some of the hard things that have happened over the past few months. Some of you may still be wavering, questioning, teetering, doubting, stirring, all the above. I I just ask that, that you consider your involvement. I ask that you participate My hope and prayer is that we as a church not settle for another year of church attendance at Hope in Christ. If if all we're about is just settling for another year of church attendance, I don't know. There's more to it than church attendance. For the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, Let's pray for ears to hear and then have the faith to act on what the Lord says. Can we do that together? So there's this leadership aspect. Now, I was also looking at it from the people, the people who came. These people who came from Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon coming over from Israel to Judah. They saw that the Lord, his God, was with him. Listen, the people from Israel, they recognized God at work when they saw it. They went to Judah because God was working in Asa's life. Was it more evident because of the recent victory over the Ethiopians? Perhaps. But even in the victory, the Lord was magnified, for Asa had rested fully upon him to defeat the opposing army. You see, the people recognized God was with him. 
I want you to notice the reason for their arrival in Judah. They had some kind of handle, some kind of grasp on godly living. There was something different about Asa's life. Judah was not the perfect place by far. Just as today, there are no perfect churches. If you happen to look for a perfect church, you're going to be disappointed. But Judah was the place that they saw the Lord working. They saw the Lord in the midst of what was going on in Judah. The people had an antenna up for the Lord at work. Are you most concerned whether the Lord is at work in his church? Are you most concerned about the presence of the Lord in his house? The body gathers together. Are you most concerned about the right things? Those right things being the things that the Lord himself is most concerned about. Principle number four, courageous leadership cultivates unity among the people. This is seen in verses 10 through 15. They gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of his reign. They offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep. That's a lot of sacrifice. From the plunder, the spoil, and the battle in chapter 14. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart, with all their soul. And whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and ram's horns. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Notice the text says that they gathered together. They worshipped or sacrificed together They entered into covenant together. They took oath together. And I want you to notice what they covenant to do. Then they entered into the covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. They covenanted together to seek the Lord God. Remember the principle and promise alluded to earlier. Azariah the prophet said, if you seek the Lord, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. The people here in the text are covenanting together to seek the Lord. It's their desire to be found by him. Do you see this? They desire that the Lord would find them and not the converse, that they would be forsaken by him. The covenant was costly. It was sacrificial. The covenant was going to change the course of their days. The covenant was going to be evidenced by means of seeking the Lord together. A nation takes an oath before the Lord. Think about the power of this. They're taking an oath before the Lord with shouting, with trumpets and ram's horns. It was loud. A nation is rejoicing because they had sworn to seek this God of heaven with all their heart and with all their soul. And at this point, I suppose some are asking the million dollar question. How does a church get to the point of rejoicing like this? I read this and this is, oh, this is wonderful. 
does a church recover from a series of trials and ever begin to move forward? I believe the word calls for courageous leadership, courageous living, courage rooted in action, which is informed by hearing God's voice. You see, courageous leadership cultivates unity among the people. We become one voice about the things God himself says. And we walk in tandem according to his voice. It means that people have ears to hear what the Lord is saying. It means that we become most concerned about what he's most concerned about. It means we repent of sin together. It means that we encourage one another in the faith. It means that this word is more than a handbook for Sunday morning, but it's a treasure for daily living. Amen? That's what this word's for. See, rejoicing happens as the body of Christ is walking together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love people. Love God. Love people. What are we giving all our heart and soul to this day? Is it loving God and loving the community of believers that he's connected us to? Notice in verse 15, that as they sought the Lord together, he was found by them. The promise is brought back into the light from verse 2. If you seek him, he will be found by you. The people of God, gathered together by Asa, have covenanted together to seek the Lord God. And the text says, he was found by them. And so the Lord God is a God who shows up in the lives of his people, not just in the life of his leader. I want you to see this, church. He doesn't just show up in the life of the leader. He shows up in the lives of his people. And I believe right here the text is bringing to our attention one of the main key points of the text. Courageous leadership is not exhibited only by those in leadership positions. Courageous leadership is really, when we look at the text, it's really courageous living. It's hearing what God has to say and then faithfully, obediently taking action on what he says. Now all of a sudden the text has become relevant to every single one of you sitting in a chair. Because some of you, early on, you're thinking, oh, this is King Asa, he's a king. We're talking about leadership. I'm not in a position of leadership. Now the text has all of you on board. Because every single one of you is called to courageous living. Every single one of you is called to hear from God and take action on what God has said. And by the way, we hear from God best as we are in his word and listening to the Holy... Remember, we've been given the Holy Spirit. Anybody remember that? Holy Spirit who abides within us who is always going to point us to Christ. He's always going to point us to the truth. That's the way we're to walk. The Lord no doubt uses leaders to exhibit courageous leadership, but I believe wholeheartedly, especially after looking at this text, he desires to use his people to exhibit courageous living in the context of community together in the body of Christ. Let me share a few more quick ones. Leadership principles from the text. Number five, 
Courageous leadership requires some hard decisions. Look at verse 16. Requires some hard decisions. Also, he removed Maacah, the mother of Asa the king. She may have been the mother. She may have been, according to the text, she may have been the grandmother. Okay? Mother is sometimes used for um, grandmother, great-grandmother, but a close relation. Mother or grandmother. He removed Maacah, the mother of the king Asa, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And Asa cut down her obscene image and crushed it and burned it by the brook Kedron. Wonderful. Praise God, Asa. You see, when you covenant to seek the Lord with all your heart, you cannot at the same time keep the obscene image. It's got to go. Even if it's mama. Even if it's grandmama. It's got to go. Courageous leadership requires some hard decisions. You can't keep known sin hanging around, even if it is your dear mother, your dear grandmother, as may be the case right here with Asa. Asa is willing to make a difficult family decision because he's following the Lord. He's living courageously. He's trusting him for the outcomes. Without reading too much I pray into the text. I do believe a priority is placed right here before us. When there's a conflict at home and someone you love is walking contrary to the Lord and you know it is true that they're walking contrary, are you going to take courage and make a difficult decision for the Lord's sake? The alternative here is for Asa the king to allow Maacah to go on living in her ungodly ways, to not say anything at all about this obscene image, to sweep it under the rug and continue on with the nation seeking the Lord. And all the while, you have this close relative profaning the name of the Lord with her obscene Asherah, visible to Asa and visible to who knows how many other people hanging around. having heard from the word of the Lord and sought him, he then takes action to rid himself of this vile image. It's hard to seek the Lord. Think about this. It's hard to seek the Lord when obscene images are displayed in public view before you. Billboards are a great example of this, aren't they? You're driving down the interstate and there's... I've seen some that are vile, obscene. Maybe we can't do something about the billboard that's hanging up on along the street, but we can do something about the obscene images, the things we're taking in that are right inside where we're living, right around where everybody is, plain view of everyone. See, an image is something that is seen. You see it, and it affects your mind. Maybe some of you young people, maybe you have seen a movie, and you regret watching that movie because there are images that you've taken into your mind, and they're hard to get out of your mind. As a believer in the Lord, are you not called to seek Him with all your mind? 
as well? The obscene image needs to go. Tough leadership decision? Absolutely yes. Courageous living exhibited by Asa as he hears from the Lord. Courageous leadership number six. It demands ongoing loyalty of heart. Verse 17, we're about done, hang in there. By the way, there were still some things happening in Israel. Asa does some work in Judah and Benjamin. And in verse 17, we see the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all his days. I love that verse. And we're going to cover this next Sunday, but it fits in part right here. Second Chronicles 16. Hanani the prophet's showing up to Asa next week. In verse 9, just listen to a part of what he says. We'll, we'll, we'll look at this in greater detail next week. But he says to Asa, For the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. See, loyalty of heart is what the Lord is seeking. He's searching for hearts loyal to him. Courageous leadership, courageous living is marked by ongoing loyalty of heart. And Asa, as we'll see, is far from perfect, but his heart was loyal to the Lord all of his days. More so maybe the first two-thirds of his life than the last five, six years of his life. I was thinking about this and I was wondering about you and how many of you here have a loyal friend. And you can relate to what it is to have a loyal friend. Someone that's going to come alongside of you thick, thin. Doesn't matter. They're going to be there. Something happens, they're going to be there. And maybe you are a loyal friend to someone else. You're going to be there for them. In marriage, loyalty is much needed. Are you going to stick with your spouse when things get hard? You see, when life's hard situations turn south, are you quick to turn away from the Lord? Is loyalty, listen, is loyalty only in place as long as He blesses you? As long as He protects you? As long as He keeps you from harm? As long as the situation turns out the way you like it? Are there conditions to your loyalty to the Lord? Are you going to remain loyal to the Lord all your days? He's searching to show himself strong in those whose heart is loyal to him. One last courageous leadership principle. Courageous leadership does not go unnoticed by the Lord. Does not go unnoticed. Verse 19 says that there was no war until the 35th year, the reign of Asa, We see at the end of verse 15, he gave them rest all around. Earlier on in chapter 14, we see this idea of rest because the the Lord is blessing. He's showering Asa and the nation of Judah with favor. As Asa inclines his ear to hear from the Lord, church, and then act on what he says, the text seems to indicate a correlation. As he hears and acts upon the Lord, the Lord provides rest for the land. He provides peace. I want you to listen. Living courageously does not go unnoticed by the Lord. 
that wonderful closure to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 57 and 58 goes like this. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Friends, your work for the Lord is never, ever done in vain. He sees. He knows. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently what? seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Are you diligently going to seek him in these days ahead? Are you going to rely upon the Lord? Are you going to rest upon him in these days ahead? The charge is to keep walking, to keep trusting, to keep guarding your heart, to remain faithful to your first love. Do not forsake the Lord your God. Trust him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall what? Direct your paths. Do we believe this? Asa models courageous leadership at a time when courageous leadership was desperately needed in Judah. It had been missing for some 20 years. The land covenanted together to seek the Lord God. Church, courageous leadership is needed in these days ahead here at Hope in Christ. And I ask that you be praying for the leadership here, that we might hear from God, that we might act upon what God says. Whether courageous leadership or courageous living, the common bond is this. We need to all hear from God and take action by faith, trusting that His words and what He has to say provide the way for us to walk. Amen? This is a good word, a much-needed word. Not just for me, not just for Ralph, but I believe for the whole body of Christ. We all need to hear from God. And in hearing from God, then, we need to have faith to, as Paul says, walk by faith. We need to walk by faith. As we hear from God, we then need to walk by faith, trusting that what God has said, we can trust him. We can trust him. It may be dark, he may be in a valley, but boy, we can trust him because David runs to the battle lines. He's outmanned, is he not, as he goes and faces that giant? And that's maybe some of you feel that way. I don't know if I can, I don't know. You start questioning things. Well, we need to stop listening to the evil one. We need to start listening to the Lord, and we need to walk as he's called us to walk. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for being our leader. Thank you for being our captain. Thank you for sending your son whose life is a a pattern and an example of courageous living. He was always about listening for your voice, Father. He was always about doing the will of his father. 
and in a world that wants very little if nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ today. May we be a people that live courageously. May we be a people that seek you. May we be a people that desire to seek you in order that we might be found by you. I pray that we would be a people whose hearts are loyal all the way to the end. Give us the grace. Give us the strength. Breathe your life into us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, whom you've given to us, that we might desire and lean into your word and desire and want to know what you have to say so that we might know how to walk in these days here in 2015. Thank you for the life of King Asa. We thank you for your precious word. May we stand fully upon your promises. I pray you would grant us a pure heart in these days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.